This is Marcus Stead, and you're listening to a talk podcast special about the events surrounding the alleged chemical attack in Douma in Syria back in April. In this podcast, recorded on the 4th of July, I'll aim to separate what we know to be factually correct from what is merely speculation and rumour. I'll also attempt to answer the question as to why the Western governments took the course of action they did. Now cast your mind back to early April. On the 7th of April 2018, a chemical attack in the Syrian city of Douma reportedly killed at least 70 people. On-site medics said a mixture of chlorine gas and sarin were used in the attack. But who carried out the attack? Did it really take place at all, and if so, on what scale? The United States, most NATO members and the European Union were quick to blame the Syrian government led by President Assad, but he was quick to deny any involvement, and with the help of his ally Russia, he stated that the attack did not happen and video evidence for it was staged and directed by British intelligence. End of quote. On the 14th of April, the United States, France and the United Kingdom carried out a series of targeted, controversial military airstrikes against multiple government sites in Syria. But who was really responsible? And now, three months on, how much do we really know about the attack? Let's go back to basics. According to the Organisation for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, the OPCW, and the United Nations, Assad's forces have used chemical weapons many times before. Human Rights Watch has documented 85 chemical weapons attacks in Syria since 2013. People reported incidents of chemical weapons use specifically in Douma in January 2018. Russia vetoed a potential United Nations mission to investigate. More on that later. The Arms Control Association reported two similar chlorine gas attacks in Douma on the 7th of March and the 11th of March. However, the severity of these attacks and evidence linking them to Assad is thin. No international journalists were able to get inside Douma. Douma had been under rebel control, specifically Jayesh al-Islam, since the 18th of October 2012, and, with the rest of the eastern Ghouta region, it had been under siege since April 2013. Between the 18th of February and April this year, a military offensive launched by Assad's forces and its allies took place to capture the rebel-held territory, including Douma. By mid-March, rebel territory in eastern Ghouta had been reduced to three pockets, one in the south around Hamuria, held by Falak al-Rahman, a second in the west around Harasta, held by Aha al-Sham, as well as the one in Douma in the north, held by Jaish al-Islam, and that's the one of interest in this context, for reasons that will become clear. In the second half of March, two other pockets were secured via evacuation deals between the rebels, Syria and Russia. 
on the 31st of March, the last of the evacuations was conducted and the Syrian army declared victory in eastern Ghouta. While the rebels were still holding out in Douma, they were given an ultimatum to surrender by the end of that day, the 31st of March. Stay with me so far. I know this is a little bit dry, but it's important. The chemical attack in Douma reportedly happened on the 7th of April. The Union of Medical Care and Relief Organisations, a humanitarian organisation that supervises medical services in the region, attributed 70 deaths to the attack. On-site medics reported chlorine gas and sarin nerve agents as the cause of the deaths. A video from the scene showed dead men, women and children with foam in their mouths. Though conspiracy theorists have questioned the validity of the video, and kind of with good reason, and I'll come to that in a moment. The Syrian American Medical Society, SAMS, reported over 500 injured people at Douma, and they said they were brought to local medical centres with symptoms indicative of exposure to a chemical agent, end of quote. The SAMS also said that a chlorine bomb struck a Douma hospital, killing six people, and that another attack with mixed agents affected a building nearby. According to the Syrian opposition groups, witnesses also reported a strong smell of chlorine and said the effects appeared to be stronger than in previous similar attacks. Syrian opposition activists also posted videos of yellow compressed gas cylinders they said were used during the attack. Look it up on YouTube if you want to. Based on the symptoms and the speed with which the victims were affected, medical workers and experts suggested either a combination of chlorine with another gas or a nerve agent was used. Several medical, monitoring and activist groups, including the White Helmets, reported Syrian army helicopters had dropped barrel bombs on the city of Douma. The bombs, suspected to be filled with chemical munitions such as chlorine, gas and sarin, caused several convulsions in some residents and suffocated others. Now the White Helmets, let, let's look at this for a moment. The BBC used video footage from them without attribution, which goes against its own editorial guidelines, which they were eventually forced to admit was a mistake. Now, I'm not going as far as to outright condemn the White Helmets, but their neutrality in this conflict is disputed, to say the least. So what about the aftermath? The day after the chemical attack... All rebels controlling Douma agreed to a deal with the government to surrender the area. And this fact alone is perhaps the strongest piece of evidence to support the official version of events that Assad's troops were responsible for the chemical attack. But it falls well short of outright proof and we should be mindful of that. In the early hours of the 9th of April, an airstrike was conducted against Tias military airbase. Two Israeli F-15 jets reportedly attacked the airfield from Lebanese airspace, firing eight missiles, of which five were intercepted, according to claims by Russia. According to the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights Monitor, at least 14 people were killed and more were wounded. Al-Mazda News reported seven Iranian soldiers among the dead. On the 10th of April, 
member states proposed competing UN Security Council resolutions to handle the response to the chemical attack. The US, France and the UK vetoed a Russian-proposed UN resolution. Russia had also vetoed the US's proposed resolution to create, and I quote, a new investigative mechanism to look into chemical weapons attacks in Syria and determine who is responsible, end of quote. And on the 14th of April, France, the United Kingdom and the United States launched airstrikes against four Syrian government targets in response to the attack. The airstrikes were claimed to successfully destroy the chemical weapons capabilities of Syria, but nevertheless, according to the Pentagon no less, the Syrian Arab Republic still retains the ability to launch chemical weapons attacks. So now on to the OPCW investigation. And on the 10th of April, the Syrian and Russian governments invited the OPCW to send a team to investigate the attacks. And the investigators arrived in Douma on April the 14th. However, their access to the site was blocked by Russia and Syria due to apparent security concerns. On the 17th of April, three days after the attack by the UK, the US and France, the OPCW was promised to gain access to the site of the alleged chemical attacks, but had not entered Douma and was unable to carry out the inspection because a large crowd gathered at one site where the reconnaissance teams came under fire. According to uh, OPCW director, on arrival at one site, a large crowd gathered and the advice provided by the UNDSS was that the reconnaissance team should withdraw. And at site two, the team came under small arms fire and an explosive was detonated. The reconnaissance team returned to Damascus. End of quote. However, the OPCW statement did not lay the blame on any party for the incident. The United States believes the Syrian government was stalling the OPCW to give itself time to remove the evidence. What they were basing that on, we don't know. And on the 19th of April, the OPCW was still unable to access the sites. According to the US State Department spokeswoman, there was apparently credible information that Russian officials are working with the Syrian regime to deny and delay those inspectors from gaining access to Douma and to sanitize the locations of the suspected attacks and remove incriminating evidence of chemical weapons use. End of quote. OPCW inspectors visited the site and collected samples on April the 21st and 25th, well after the airstrikes by the UK, the US and France. The organisation said it would submit its member states a report based on analysis of the sample results as well as other information and materials collected by the team. End of quote. Now compare that to the international response uh, nearly two weeks earlier that, that at that stage the OPCW was still being inconclusive but on the 12th of April two weeks earlier French President Emmanuel Macron said he had proof note the word proof not evidence proof that the Syrian government attacked the town of Douma with chemical weapons and at least used chlorine the BBC 
quotes US officials as saying urine and blood samples taken from victims have tested positively for traces of chlorine. The UK Foreign Secretary Boris Johnson had said that these latest reports must urgently be investigated and the international community must respond and that investigations from the Organisation for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons are looking into reports of chemical weapons use in Syria and have our full support. Russia must not yet again try to obstruct these investigations. He also condemned the use of chemical weapons in general, adding that those responsible for the use of chemical weapons have lost all moral integrity and must be held to account. Now we move on to the statement from the European Union which said the evidence points towards yet another chemical attack by the regime and it is a matter of grave concern that chemical weapons continue to be used, especially on civilians. The European Union condemns in the strongest possible terms the use of chemical weapons and calls for an immediate response by the international community. It also called for the United Nations Security Council to identify the perpetrators and for Russia and Iran to influence Assad against launching such attacks. On the 10th of April, US President Donald Trump, UK Prime Minister Theresa May and French President Emmanuel Macron said in a statement following joint telephone calls that they had agreed that the international community needed to respond to uphold the worldwide prohibition on the use of chemical weapons. Excuse me, but what do Trump, May, Macron and the EU know that the OPCW does not? Why should we believe them over the much more neutral and globally respected OPCW? If the OPCW didn't have access to the sites, how can we possibly know? We cannot and we should not take the likes of Trump, May and Macron and the EU at blind faith. Their track record in this area is not good. Weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, anyone? On the 13th of March 2018, the Chief of the General Staff of the Russian Armed Forces, Valery Gerasimov, said that the Russian military had reliable intelligence that suggested that the rebels holding Eastern Ghouta, along with the White Helmet activists, were preparing to stage and film a chemical weapons attack against civilians, which the US government would blame on the Syrian forces and use as a pretext to bomb the government quarter in Damascus. Under normal circumstances, wise people doubt the words of government and are suspicious of propaganda, but under the backdrop of jet engines, they believe atrocity stories, and they demand we go out and bomb somebody. They suspend their usual questioning and cynicism of what they are being told by government. Anyone with any doubts is denounced as a wicked apologist for Assad. And my answer to that is very simple. I was condemning Assad back in 2002, when he was shaking hands with Anthony Blair outside Downing Street and having tea with the Queen. That is the difference between me and our political establishment. And you've got to remember as well that these so-called rebels the British and American governments had aligned themselves with are effectively Al-Qaeda in all but name. And do we also not learn from the relatively recent past and how overthrowing Saddam Hussein and Colonel Gaddafi later on in Libya led directly to the migration crisis? 
I have said all I know about the events of the 7th of April in Duma. All reports I've read come from people at least 70 miles away, from uncheckable, unidentified sources. The OPCW does not blame Assad directly, and I see no justification, even now, three months on, for the use of force. We know very little about the alleged attack. Did it take place? What was the extent of it? The experienced and the distinguished Lord West pointed out that it would be very odd for Assad to behave in this way because it's the one thing that would get the West to turn against him and launch attacks. Peter Ford, the former ambassador to Syria, made similar comments. What is astonishing, the events around April and indeed to this day, is the way the media, including the left-wing media, papers like The Guardian, who historically have had a very good track record of questioning the need for military intervention going back decades and for all the Guardian's faults and they are many they were at least cynical of a rush to war and the drumbeat to war and other areas of the left-wing press for all their faults were at least questioning of the motives that led to war conflicts airstrikes and everything else that goes with it but this time there was blind acceptance of everything they were being told by the political establishment why on earth were newspapers and even the broadcast media, the BBC, why weren't they asking serious questions about how sure we really were that Assad was behind these attacks before British airplanes were involved in launching these airstrikes? It's all a little bit too convenient, isn't it? Normally, we should have the evidence first, the verdict second, and the sentence last. Avoid compassionate jingoism. Go where the evidence takes you. Follow the OPCW. And let's not forget that Jaish al-Islam, who controlled the city, were accused themselves of gassing Kurds with chemical weapons in 2016. It wasn't proven, and indeed nor is this case against Assad. But we did nothing to Jaish al-Islam in 2016, did we? There were no airstrikes against them. The USA, the UK and France all acted before the facts had been truly established. And this is concerning because although this, these airstrikes came and went, when you start an attack, you don't know what the limits of them will be. World War I began as a localised conflict and it ended up in a bloody long war, costing millions of lives utterly needlessly. And let's also remember in the UK about these airstrikes there was no vote in Parliament. The government answered to the White House rather than to Parliament. So why did they do it? Well, let's look at the relationship. Um, let's bring Saudi Arabia into this because Saudi Arabia is no friend of Assad. Um, President Assad is close to Iran, although they're not exactly of the same branch of Islam. Um, Assad is an Alawite and he can't really be called a Shia Muslim. It can't be called a Shia sect in the way Iran is uh, a Shia Muslim country. So how did it come to pass that the British government is supporting an organisation called the Army of Islam or the Sword of Islam? Because they were the only ones with video footage of this chemical attack. 
and Jais al-Islam is a branch of the Army of Islam or the Sword of Islam. And they were the only ones with footage of the attack. The USA has had a close relationship with Saudi Arabia since at least the 1950s. The UK's relationship with Saudi Arabia has become closer since the time of Thatcher and various deals signed then. And look up the amount of visits by the British royal family to Saudi Arabia. It is astonishing, and government ministers as well. And more recently, France has developed closer links with Saudi Arabia because it is selling the Saudis a lot of military equipment. So that explains the three main prongs of these airstrikes, the USA, the UK and France, not a coincidence. And the Saudi regime thinks that the Assad Alawites are heretical. And the attack, I think, was to please Saudi Arabia. I should also point out that there has been an interesting development in recent days. But to understand it, we have to go back to March 2017. On the 30th of March 2017, the US ambassador to the UN, Nikki Haley, formally and openly abandoned Washington's former aim of overthrowing Assad. Very soon after this change, on the 4th of April 2017, Syrian rebels said that a chemical weapons attack by Syrian Air Force jets had taken place in the town of Khan Shaitoum, a claim reported as fact by a large number of Western news organisations, though again there is no reliable evidence that Western journalists even visited the site. This is not surprising as it was an area controlled by Islamic jihadis and most accounts of the alleged atrocity were written far away from the scene and quoted information from sources who could politely be described as partisan. Again, there was no conclusive proof that Assad was behind the attack. The OPCW subsequently reported on the event. It admitted that its own investigation had not met its publicly declared standards. Its own staff were unable to reach the site. There was no reliable custody chain for samples which eventually arrived in neighbouring Turkey. A further report was produced by the United Nations Joint Investigative Mechanism, the JIM. This report had the same flaws from which the OPCW report suffered, being largely based upon OPCW material. But even so, the JIM report blamed the Assad government. For this reason, Russia regarded the JIM as biased and so vetoed the renewal of the JIM when it came up for discussion at the UN Security Council. Now let's play a game for a moment and pretend that the situation was reversed and that the JIM had blamed not Assad but the Syrian rebels despite having not visited the site and the USA, France and Britain had as a result decided to veto the renewal of the JIM's existence. We might well conclude, under those circumstances, that the USA, France and Britain were reasonable in taking such action. So therefore, how can we not conclude that Russia was reasonable in taking the course of action it did by vetoing the renewal of the JIM when it came up for discussion at the UN Security Council? To be clear, the OPCW did not go 
to Khan Setu. Now, here's where it gets really interesting, and I mean really interesting. The USA has, has now effectively abandoned the Syrian rebels. And just a few days ago, at the end of June 2018, a meeting took place in The Hague that has completely changed the OPCW's terms of reference. Previously, it was not expected to attribute blame in the cases that it investigated, perhaps hence the creation of the JIM. That has now changed. In future, it will be expected to attribute blame. Now, how on earth it is supposed to do that when it can't get anywhere near the sites of alleged chemical attacks is anyone's guess. This is sure to undermine the OPCW's credibility as an independent body, and that'll have interesting consequences into the future. Thank you for listening.